What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where each episode I interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and straight-up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. My name is Brian Moore, co-founder and managing partner of Scouts, and today I'm interviewing Amelia Newberry, the chief operating officer at the Authentic Leadership Institute. The Authentic Leadership Institute is focused on helping leaders discover and tap into what makes them unique. It's a program designed to harness the power of purpose and deploy it into the business world so we can tackle the biggest, hairiest problems we're all facing. In this episode, Amelia shares the Institute's definition of authentic leadership, why authentic leadership and purpose matter now more than ever before, several stories and examples proving that purpose drives profitability, positively impacts health and well-being, and creates stronger organizations, especially as we race towards a more volatile, more uncertain, more complex, and more ambiguous world. And finally, probably my favorite, an incredibly powerful question you can ask yourself if you desire to discover and tap into your own unique purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you Amelia Newberry. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another great episode of the Built on Purpose podcast. I feel incredibly fortunate today to be joined by Amelia Newberry, who is the Chief Operating Officer for the Authentic Leadership Institute. And this is just, uh, this is a conversation that I have been so anxious to have. Amelia, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the program. It's a pleasure to be here, Brian. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So I want to give everybody a sense of who you are. Um, You know, in my opinion, there are some names connected to the Authentic Leadership Institute that many Mm -hmm. people who travel in business circles know. But in, in my opinion, and maybe incorrect, but you're kind of a quiet driving force behind the scenes, really making a lot of the magic happen. And so give give us just a sense like, who is Amelia? Who are you? Give us give us a quick high level overview. Oh, thanks for saying so, Brian. And it's a tricky question. Eh? Who anybody is is such a deep uh, onion to unwrap and unpeel layer <laughs> by layer. <laughs> it's so true. So true. Uh, but I'll certainly give you uh, some of the highlights. So uh, first off, I'm based in Boston. I work with Nick Craig, of course, at the Authentic Leadership Institute as his operating officer. I'm also married. I have two children, an 11-year-old and a six-year-old. I think they put me through uh, the ringer a lot more than anything I've ever done commercially has. (laughs) (laughs) And they keep me on my toes. The um, work that I do at the Institute is part of a long succession of passionately driven engagements for me where I've really focused on companies and uh, organizations that I believe are doing well while they're also doing good. And uh, Nick and the Institute, we are, we're doing a lot of good uh, in changing the, uh, the conversation around leadership, of course. Um, I've also worked with uh, Harvard, Harvard Business Publishing uh, for a long period of time was in healthcare, uh, helping to change the way that uh, doctors and nurses make decisions. And uh, prior to that was over at the Monitor Group, 
which is of course now part of Deloitte Consulting, but I was an associate partner over there, and uh, everything they did was focused on the balance of, uh, of social impact and doing uh, as best they could in the problem space at the same time they were making a difference for their clients. It was a nice, solid group of ethically driven people. I loved everyone over there. Uh, I started my career at Cornell University in the online learning world way back when that actually meant something, <laughs> uh, and have had the, the deep pleasure of uh, connecting with a number of leaders that I would say really are truly authentic, uh, one of a kind, very direct communicators, clear in who they are, and uh, I'm happy to say that they've built a deep respect for that legacy in me, and I hope that I reflect it in my own interactions and leadership. You know, it's interesting. Um, this whole concept of authenticity in leadership, purpose-driven leadership, uh, is not at all new for you. In fact, you've been just surrounded by it for, for basically your entire career. Yet, I, I would argue that for most in the business world, it's still a relatively new concept. It's still in its infancy. Do you feel the same? Well, it's an interesting question. Uh, there's a science fiction writer who actually says, um, uh, William Gibson, some know him, uh, who say that the future is here, but it just isn't evenly distributed, right? So uh, I, I think we're uh, in a place where authenticity in leaders is known and valued, even if it's not explicitly stated. Uh, and each one of us know leaders where the true value of knowing the person through and through, knowing that they understand you and that they have your back no matter how turbulent the times get, that's, that's known to all of us. And so the question of how it is you formalize that uh, in, in a model, you, you help to perpetuate it in the leadership world, that's part of our challenge, of course. But I think the value of knowing someone who is what they say they are is unique and comfortable with the oddity or the thing that makes them unique, that gift that they have that others in the room don't have. Um, we're all familiar with the, the real huge, I think, transformational impact those people bring to the room and how good they are for us as well as, frankly, just comfortable they are in their own skin. Yeah, you know, so is there a concise way that the Authentic Leadership Institute defines authenticity? Is, the, is there just an easy way to define it? So we think it manifests differently for every person, uh, but uh, there are certainly consistencies in how you experience it. Okay. I mean, the, the technical definition of being authentic is to be one of a kind, unique, not a copy, right? And we see uh, leaders when they're reflecting uh, their, their authenticity back, especially when it's driven from a place of deep purpose, an understanding of your strengths, a combination of uh, knowing what your core values are, what you can rely on when things get tough. But we find that authentic leaders are the folks who stand up. They're the first people who say, I'm here to do the hard right and not the easy wrong. Um, I don't know much, but I know this, and that's what we're going to rely on, so let's go. And it's through the vulnerability that everybody in the room is usually facing in situations that are chaotic that they actually pull strength and they stand forward and they, they lead from that strength. Is that helpful? Yeah, that's incredibly helpful. Thank you. So, so I want, let's talk about the Institute. So what does the Authentic Leadership Institute actually do? And then how do you do it? <laughs> Thanks for asking. So the, uh, the purpose of the Institute is to wake up those who will wake up the many by inspiring them to discover their purpose, their individual leadership purpose, and, and equipping them to lead authentically. And uh, Let me pause you there for a moment. Let me, let me pause you there for a moment because I, I think it's just a really 
powerful to wake up those who can wake up the many. I mean, that's a really, that's a powerful statement. And so if I, if I unpack that statement and that purpose statement, just for a moment, that leads me to feel that many people are still, are still asleep. Uh, and, and, you know, not literally asleep, but in their soul, in, in how they're showing up to work and in life every day that, you know, the music is still trapped inside of them. Is that the essence of what you're getting at? That is absolutely correct. And uh, many folks believe that they have to be a different person at work uh, when they think about who they are as a leader in their community, a leader in their family, a leader in, in uh, work in, in a professional setting. They see themselves as three different people and, and sometimes explicitly talk about it as three different people. Well, I'm, I can be like that at home, but I can't be like that here. And that separation is artificial. That is what we're trying to remove, uh, take the blinders off, if you will, from the individual. The strengths that you have in your home environment the ease with which you execute those strengths, that, that power is available to you in any leadership capacity, no matter what the context, and vice versa. And so helping them to understand and connect all of those pieces together, really understand uh, that they, they do have this unique expression. There is something to unlock and bring forward. And by the way, there's a fairly simple way to unlock it and bring it forward so that each time you enter a leadership challenge, you're doing it from the place of best the place of best performance, the place of best person, and uh, and to really bring the full power of that in. I love that. I, thank you for letting me stop you there and just uh, expand on that Absolutely. a little bit because I just Anytime. I think it's a really really powerful statement and a powerful purpose to wake up those who wake up who have the opportunity to wake up the many. So please continue. I interrupted you as you were explaining the institute. No worries, no worries. It's actually a good transition. You asked a minute ago about, you know, what does it mean? How do we define it? And I mentioned that for us, it's a very individualized and personalized uh, definition. It's different for each person. Part of that is because what we, what we do at the Institute is we walk folks through a way of asking questions and interpreting the answers. It's not a uh, prescriptive leadership model. So uh, it's not a situation where we believe that great leadership comes with five rules. If you follow these five rules or adopt these habits, then you are a great leader. Um, in, in our minds, that world ended, and it ended a while ago. And what we're really focused on is the individual journey for each of the, the leaders that we're working with, right? It's, it's much more powerful, much more personal. If you go through this emergent process, and so the Institute brings teams together, we, we walk them through, in many cases, their life stories, certainly their professional stories, and we ask them, what are those crucible moments? And of course, uh, Nick's work is based on the, the work, the True North book that Bill George uh, released at Harvard Business School. Um, Nick and, and Bill co-authored the, uh, the companion, the Discovering Your True North uh, Field Guide. And uh, the crucible moment concept that they talk about in both of those books it's really about those moments that we walk in expecting that one thing is going to occur. And for reasons usually way beyond our control, the situation is not what we anticipated. It's not what we expected. And it certainly is not in our control. Um, those crucible moments, those moments that truly show you that you are subject to the same vulnerability that everyone is subject to and how you handle those moments. You know, those are the, the moments where you eat the bear or the bear eats you. Right. <laughs> and frankly, regardless of the outcome, regardless of whether you've eaten the bear or, or you've been eaten by the bear, <laughs> there's real learning in there. Those crucible moments are so valuable. They're, they're critical. 
And so we talk through, you know, what did you learn from those moments? What, what themes are you seeing and what you relied on when things really hit the fan and what you relied on when you were at your best, when you see your peak performance stories, uh, when you start talking about uh, the things that are reflected back to you by your peers as, as true strengths. Some you've known your whole life, others you're seeing for the very first time as you're telling these stories. And as you listen to these stories together, you end up in a place where the personal uh, reflection of who you really are becomes clear to you. I mean, it is not uncommon. In fact, it's, it's very common for us at the end of these programs to hear leaders tell us that people have been saying this to them for their whole career. It's been in every 360-degree uh, report they've ever seen, and that this is the first time it's made sense that this is the first time they truly understand whatever that theme is, whatever the impact it's having on people is, and where it comes from in their life. So they're, they're real moments of true catalyst. Here. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's Marvelous. super interesting. I want to touch on, before before we get into more of the Institute, uh, this this notion of the lack of prescriptiveness, that this isn't, you know, people aren't signing up for the Authentic Leadership Institute and, okay, day one or the, is step one, step two, day three is step three, on and on, right. which is so counterintuitive to the way I think most classically trained uh, business leaders uh, have gone through their careers, right? It's like, pick up a book. Everyone's looking for the how-to guide, step one, step two, step three. And at the end, you're going to have a perfect process. And what you're saying is, is that those days, at least from a leadership and an authentic leadership standpoint, are over. When you have leaders who, uh, whether <laughs> whether they've done their research or not, but their organizations have sponsored them or uh, have sent them to you uh, to, to, to have these types of opportunities, these types of breakthroughs, are they disoriented in that they're ready and expecting the prescriptive advice and then whoa you're gonna you're gonna undress me quite a bit this is very uncomfortable I'm not ready for this is that a common response uh, you know we do try and manage expectations carefully up front okay uh, so that folks are, are aware of what they're trying to do but but what I'll say uh, I think the core part of your question is you know how does this work with folks who are still in that old school model um, and I'm happy to tell you that it doesn't actually come into conflict so what we what we do is we help them to glue everything they've learned by living those models together in a way that's new for them and you know, honestly, if, if there was a, a five model, uh, five rule model for leadership, and you know, you always struggled with one or two of those rules, we're going to do the work to help you with the self awareness to understand why you've always struggled with those. And if you've, you've you know, hit it out of the park with some of the the other uh, prescribed or recommended behaviors for leadership, we're going to help you uncover where that comes from in your life, and we're going to help you double down on it. We don't do that explicitly. We don't talk about leadership models and help leaders to uh, to really investigate their behavior in light of those models. But we help them to think about where their actions have yielded good or amazing results and where there have been challenges and how they can think about addressing those challenges you know, a little orthogonally. Just tweak it a little to the left or the right, or you know, let's find that, that uh, gift that has made you successful in the three situations we know where you just really, you're shooting the moon, and let's talk about how we can bring it forward in all situations, right? Because that's really what makes you tick. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, why now? Why is this so critical today? Why is this concept of authentic leadership so important in the world we're living in today? 
Oh, I mean, that is, uh, that is a great question. Um, and I think it's not just why is it important today, but why is it getting more important tomorrow? And purpose-driven leaders and authentic expression of that purpose is, is the core to handling uncertainty, at least from our point of view. And uncertainty is all around us, right? So the, the, this idea that we have a, a rational, predictable, very linear world full of simple situations with a stability of working for a large company, that is so yesterday. <laughs> Everything around us reminds us, um, you know, it, whether it's a volcano in Iceland or, or whether it's ISIS, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there was a train crash in, in Hoboken and the whole world is aware of it and the whole world is aware of it instantly. And it's a butterfly flaps its wings. Right? Everything is so globally connected nowadays yep. that any instability or any uncertainty in one part of the world has a ripple effect to all parts of the world, which means they're impacting us in whatever way we're working at a greater and greater rate. And so, uh, you know, the, the Marine Corps, U.S. Marine Corps, coins this, this term, the, the VUCA world, right? And uh, this idea that, that we are now in a place where more predictably uh, it's volatile, it's uncertain, it's complex and chaotic, and, and it is ambiguous. And so when you look at leaders in this new space, you're, you're focusing on uh, developing leadership traits that uh, are about the, the self-awareness and the understanding of the individual so that you know, they don't know much, but they do know who they are. And they know that in, in a situation where things really have hit the fan, they can rely on their strength, their sense of purpose. And the, the relationships they've built with their teams because they have been expressing themselves as an authentic leader. So they're trusted and they can move forward in situations where others can't. I love that. And it, to me, that the whole idea of, yeah, we are living in this VUCA world, the volatile, uncertain, uh, complex and ambiguous world. And that what I, what I heard from that is that if you as an individual and you have leadership responsibility, no matter what seat you sit in in your organization, that if you're true to who you are and know what your values are, your non-negotiables, and you have some level of clarity, whether it's crystal clear or certainly directionally clear of what you stand for, that in this world that will just become increasingly volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, that having that true north gives you the ability to, to anchor to something that simply doesn't change. Is that, is, is that a, a fair summary? Yeah, that's exactly right. And this sense of purpose and being a purpose-driven leader, for us, it expresses at such an individual level that you're absolutely correct. It does not matter if you're a leader on a team or if you are leading that team. Uh, the, the sense of leadership comes from the fact that you, you know what moves to make in a situation because you are self-aware, because you understand your strengths, you know where they can take you, and you know how you can put them to work for you. And, and frankly, the, the story that I want to tell you, do you have time for a story? Uh are you kidding me? This let's, let, let, yes. <laughs> I, I, love hope have, I hope you have more than one. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, is is a, a story actually um, about work that Nick was doing at GE, uh, and this is a time in the, in the GE history where, where they were in a very volatile uh, period. Uh, their their stock had uh, had gone from uh, the mid 40s down to the single digits, and uh, Nick was there leading uh, a, a set of programs to help. Uh, Introduce authentic leadership into the next set of, of GE leaders and, and their and their 
uh, facing their next challenges. Um, and he'd been there for long enough that he was starting to have alumni come back and talk to the new cohorts of leaders. Uh, one of the folks who came in told this amazing story about the fact that uh, his purpose, and, and we haven't talked yet about uh, the, the structure of purpose, but bear with me on this one. Um, his purpose was to uh, lead the team through the white water and safely to the other uh, bank. And that, that was his purpose. That's what he knows he can do. That's what he knows you know, that, he, that he can accomplish. And he said uh, that he sat down with his team of six folks, his senior team of six folks, and he said, okay, so um, everything is, is a little chaotic around here. Uh, there's a tremendous number of layoffs. We don't want you to leave the organization, but I can offer you very little to stay. Right? I'm in a place where commercially there's just nothing left that I can use to keep my team together is what he was expressing. I can't offer them options because the options are underwater. I can't offer them more compensation because we're not in a place where that's a reality. And he said to the team, well, what I can tell you is that you've worked with me. You know me. You know that I wouldn't make this promise to you if I couldn't keep it. And you know that this is my purpose. This is my strength. I'm going to see us through this white water, and I will get us to the other side of this river. We will safely hit that bank. And when we do, we're going to be in a great position. And not a single member of this team left. And that's the power. That is incredible. I mean, that is so powerful. That, that is a great story. It really is. I mean, just the sheer... A level of transparency, level of honesty, level of vulnerability, uh, no carrots being dangled other than, uh, dare I say, maybe just a, a, an emotional carrot of leveraging the relationship and the trust that had been built between this individual and his or her team. And that's that's what this person had to offer. And they stuck around because Absolutely. they believed in one another. I love that. That is a great story. You, me right. you mentioned during that uh, the structure of purpose, which you're right, we haven't we haven't touched on that yet. Uh, is is now a good time to to talk about that a little bit? You know the structure around oh, this concept. Yeah, we certainly can. Uh, so Nick's uh, interpretation of purpose, where he takes purpose, um, is is very much as we talked about a minute ago on the individual level. And uh, through the work that we do with teams, the the purpose is meant to act for each individual leader like a passcode, so that they can bring their best selves forward. Right? So it's who you are. It's what makes you distinctive. Um, it's what you couldn't stop doing if, if you were told not to do it. it. It's just something that's always with you no matter what. Um, and in fact, is because it's part of your strengths, it, it's, a, it's a proxy for all of those strengths all at once. Right? So uh, you know, if I think about my own purpose, and of course I have one, my purpose is to pull the head of the ostrich from the sand. And it doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. It does, but it doesn't have to. Because for me, it easily and very quickly acts as a proxy for me to pull forward all of the strengths and all of the gifts that I have put my 10,000 hours in for, right, that I know is, are, are there for me and that I can rely on. And honestly, it's a little emotional for me every time I say it. When I say that I'm, my purpose is to pull the head of the ostrich from the sand, I'm just a little bit more in the game. I'm just a little bit more there. And for me, that emotion manifests almost like a mischievousness. Okay, I got it. I know what I'm here to do. I'm here to say the things in the room that others are afraid to say, and I'm here to provide an orthogonal point of view that helps others to see and think about ideas in a new way. And I've been doing that my whole life. And this one phrase helps me to not just remember that, but to immediately bring all of those pieces forward so when I enter a room, I can be my best self. Mm -hmm. 
I like that. <laughs> is that helpful? No, it helps a lot. It helps a lot. And, and clearly serves as a, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that every once in a while, like all of us, you can probably get stuck in, you know, just the, 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 the gridlock of the day to day and sometimes forget that, okay, wait a minute, hold on, pause. I, if I reconnect to what it is that I am best at and what drives me and what is my true North and either say it out loud or say it to yourself that you can essentially snap yourself into the mode where you bring your best version of Amelia to the table and can help everybody uh, progress forward. I think that's absolutely true. And my team knows it about me as well. I mean, we're, we're, it's, it's easy then to communicate, okay, here's what I know how to do. Here's how I'm my best. Here's how we're going to leverage me. We're going to leverage you so that everybody from the full team is, is playing from a different level of strength. Um, the other thing I'll, I'll mention is you know, when, when things do hit the fan, and they do, <laughs> um, the purpose is a go-to, and the work that I've already done to create that purpose is also a comfort because I know, okay, look, my core values are loyalty and I know that I'm a good innovator. So when things hit the fan, I know that I'm not leaving a thinking ship and I'm just going to get creative, right? And so for me, that's a recipe for solution at a time where otherwise there's just paralysis. So with the leaders that you and the team at the Institute have the opportunity to work with, have you run into any scenarios where the organization uh, is signing a leader or a group of leaders up to go through your program? The leaders have uh, a bit of an awakening of sorts where, you know, they're really starting to recognize, wow, and tap into those crucible moments, which are, which are really illuminating what it is uh, they're here to do and what their true north is. And then when they go back, they go back into an environment and an organization that maybe it hasn't done that type of work for itself, that it's true north, maybe has gotten lost along the way, and the leader goes back all fired up, ready to rock, ready to really just, just tear it up, and they go back to an environment that just isn't ready for uh, the level of excitement, the level of passion, the level of uh, awakening that the individual leaders have achieved having gone through the program. Do you have any, any, any scenarios like that? Uh, certainly. And, uh, and I can tell you how it is we prepare leaders for that reentry as well. It's, it's also worth noting uh, the authentic leadership program that we provide, we do through corporations. So often we're working with teams, uh, often intact teams. Uh, and our preferred method of, of, of working with large companies, and we're doing this at Unilever, we've done this with a few others, is to start with the top and then work through the reports the direct reports for the C-suite, their direct reports. And by the time we're, you know, three levels down, we're in country. And we start to actually cascade this by embedding the capability for delivery into the organization so that we're changing the way that the culture of leadership is working while we're changing the leader. So that's, that's worth saying all that. It's definitely our preferred method. Well, and it um, makes sense, right? Because if you can't get the top leadership team to really own yeah. this and live it, it's going to be an uphill battle for anybody else within the organization. That's exactly right. You won't get the full power of any solution if you yep. don't have championship at the C-suite. That's yep. absolutely correct. Makes sense. And uh, and for us, the, the other way that we mitigate, uh, and I can't say we address it 100% because each context is unique, but we do ask leaders to sit and actually create what Nick calls the purpose to impact plan, which is a back planning episode where, or I'm sorry, exercise where we, we actually 
uh, right up front, we say, look, you can't go back and just live this 100% because you are in a place where you have to do the work to integrate this into what your life looks like today. So let's talk about how you're going to start with a light integration, and we're going to work together to make sure that that increases over time until you get to a place where you're in a, in a uh, context that you've helped to shape where you feel you're living your purpose 60%, then 80%, then 100% over time. Um, and really bringing the leader to a place where they understand, even though this is new and exciting and amazing for you today, and we want to capitalize on that momentum, we absolutely want that momentum to go back into the context of work and make an impact. And we can talk about that because it makes a heck of an impact. What we've got uh, in parallel with that is, I think, from our perspective, a little bit of additional experience with the fact that that catalyst has changed the person's life that this is a, a new leader that's returning to a company and that taking the time to integrate and to find ways to live your purpose over time is, is possible because it's not going anywhere. Now that you, you can't unring this bell. So now that you've woken me up, for example, and I have the opportunity to go back to my team and begin waking them up, I know we talked about that that the Authentic Leadership Institute program is not a prescriptive program, and I totally get that. Right. Are there prescriptive pieces that you can arm me with as the leader so that when I go back into my organization, whether it's a department or the whole company, that there are suggested prescriptive things I can do to begin the awakening of the others? So categorically, the answer to that is uh, yes, because there are certainly buckets of more direct communication, more honest communication, helping your team to understand what a purpose is, helping them to share what you've just gone through, sometimes even bringing some of the stories that you found most powerful back to your team so that you're sharing this insight into yourself with those who are closest to you professionally in, in a way that makes sense. Uh, you know, they, uh, and you're going to find this as a bit of a, a broken record. The manifestation of that, however, is individually uh, determined by the leader based on what the team needs, what challenges they're facing, what problems they need to solve. But uh, not only do we help them to think that through, but during the, the different the programs, we, we have a cohort-based model where these folks are working with five, six other leaders in smaller groups, even inside this larger program, and those five folks become partners in crime. Uh, sometimes they, they continue to meet for years after the program and continue to support each other personally in living their purpose, uh, but also, frankly, in the professional context as they think about how it is they're going to work together to, to change some of the ways that the teams work, that the organization works, and the purpose can manifest across the organization because it's so powerful. All right. So we've been just really digging in on uh, a bit about the Institute, a bit about an individual uh, being woken up. Let, let, let me play devil's advocate here. Let me represent uh, the more analytically minded, those that are uh, perhaps more classically trained and want to know, OK, this sounds all lovely, wonderful. Yay. Hurrah. Rainbows, unicorns. Show me the proof. Does this actually move the needle? And and, and I'm going to – I know that it does, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that that's a probably pretty common question or objection, whatever you want to call it, 
that you and your team are experiencing. Like, okay, this is great, but at the end of the day, we've got a group of stakeholders, which include shareholders that have expectations. And if we're going to do this, it needs to move the needle. Is there proof that this stuff works? Yes, yes. Uh, And it does. It works. The uh, impact, the results, uh, each leader manifests purpose in a different way. Um, But we know that purpose uh, actually does matter, not just to leaders in terms of bottom line results, but in terms of of keeping people in their seats for companies. Uh, Engagement is something that we talk a lot about. Uh, There was a, a wonderful study done by uh, Harvard Business Review, one of their partner studies in 2014, where they went out and they talked to about 20,000 different folks. They came back with answers to this question. They actually pinged on four different uh, pillars, but one of them was, okay, what most strongly influences your engagement and productivity at work? And when they crunched all of their numbers, what they came back with was this idea that employees who derive meaning from their work, so this is folks who feel connected and can live their purpose while they're doing work, are 2.8 actually times more likely to stay with their organization, not be uh, lured away or poached. Um, They have 2.2 times higher job satisfaction, so they're manifesting a different presence in their teams because they are present and engaged at work. And they're 93% more engaged in work as compared to peers, uh, which is is really remarkable. What I thought was was really interesting, however, is what it means for leadership. Because, of course, it does matter for teams. But when you look at the same study, uh, the leaders where employees, people who worked for those leaders, felt the leaders had clarity of purpose and were able to communicate it, this authentic expression of purpose that we talk about. Um, they actually inspired their employees to be more satisfied with their jobs and more engaged. And they, they were more likely to stay with the organization if they worked for a purpose-driven leader and someone who was able to communicate that to their team. In fact, they found that uh, people who worked for purpose-driven leaders were 70% more satisfied with their jobs and 56% more engaged in their work and 100% more likely to stay with their organization. There's this old adage in human resources that uh, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. Um, I I certainly have found uh, that most of the stories I hear uh, reflect that as truth. And we believe that purpose and purpose-driven leadership uh, helps to bridge a gap that would otherwise exist. And the authentic expression of that builds the trust and the relationships in ways that you you can find holes in organizations when uh, people feel disconnected from the people leading their team. Do you think part and of so, – oh, sorry. Please go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say that the, 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 the kicker to that, though, and one of the reasons that we're out here doing all of this and this work is that, um, that less than 20 percent of uh, the leaders that we're talking about here are actually uh, clear on their purpose or can communicate it uh, in any way that has meaning to their team. And, and so that's, that is the gap we're trying to bridge. And, to, and, a, and, a, and, a, and an important one to bridge, a really mm-hmm. important one to bridge. From the company perspective, in the organizations that you've worked with, is there, uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this, the, the, the realization that uh, 
as they're sending their leaders through this type of a program that the organizations themselves are lacking clarity of why they exist that you know maybe when they started there was a, an abundance of clarity and that was to solve a particular business problem but as the company grows and scales and levels of complexity get involved and more and more people and on and on and on that this you know focus on driving for financial results simply becomes the MO for the organization and they forget what it is they actually stand for. Is that, is that a common occurrence? I think more common than we'd like, that's for sure. The, um, uh, the way that we've seen purpose impact that and the way we've seen authentic leadership impact that is by bringing the story back to the local uh, area, right? So, Let's talk about what purpose means to the individual. Let's talk about how they're going to manifest their purpose while they're doing the work that drives the profits for the company. And then let's talk as a team how they should structure so the full team is more engaged in supporting each other as they do work to drive that purpose and also make sure they're achieving the results for the organization. We actually find that where we do this, you know, literally grassroots uh, in terms of the planning and the impact, we find that there is um, an interesting innovation uh, impact. And we see folks getting very creative about uh, new ways, new thoughts uh, for how to move the needle on margin numbers, how to move the needle on uh, you know, cost cutting in ways that allow them to also live their purpose and often accomplish named goals and services of the purpose, uh, how they're applying their purpose, right? One of my favorites of these actually comes from our work inside of, of Unilever. And of course, we've been there since 2006. We've been doing quite a lot of work over there. Um, and I think you know this story, uh, but just in terms of, of quick background, that uh, when, when Paul Pullman was a new CEO and Unilever was a, a 40 billion euro uh, consumer products company, and they were in about 190 different countries. I mean, they'd saturated a good amount of the market. Um, and uh, Mr. Pullman announced this as this 2020 growth target. Right? He's going to double the revenue of the company, and he wants 70% of that revenue to come from emerging markets. Oh, and by the way, in case that wasn't enough, <laughs> he's interested in creating this Unilever Sustainable Living Plan where he's going to reduce the company's overall environmental footprint by 50%. And so, wait, so, so we're going to we're going to double revenue, double revenue. Seventy percent of right. that growth is going to come from emerging markets. And oh, exactly. if that's not enough, we're going to have the mm -hmm. impact from a, from an environmental standpoint that we're having. That's exactly right. Yeah. And he looked to emerging markets because, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and he does not have his primary markets to really rely on for that growth. So this 70% this really does have to come from these emerging markets. Well, I think it's, uh, and, if and I can, it's, it's also important to mention, I think, for those that don't know the Unilever story, that Pullman was mm -hmm. not a Unilever homegrown organic leader, which had been sort of the uh, the MO of Unilever, like to, for him to be an outsider coming in. And if, I, if my memory serves, he came from P and G, you know, to come from the outside and be the CEO, I'm going to guess he wasn't welcomed with open arms. Cause that was very much contrary to the way Unilever had, had grown. 
he definitely set a very ambitious goal, a very ambitious target. And he, uh, when he thought about the solutions that he was going to use to achieve this, you know, success of many fathers, right? We're just proud to be one of them, uh, and and we're very proud that authentic leadership was one of the things that uh, he decided was going to help to move the needle. And we think we have we've helped to move the needle. Um, one of the the stories that I like about uh, this particular uh, challenge is is the story of, of a leader out of the Indonesian market. Uh, who was given this incredible challenge for the, the revenue and the margins for his uh, his region. And after going through uh, the program, of course, we you know, started at the top of Unilever and then drove down through um, uh, 1,500 of the top executives, actually. Uh, and we delivered these four-day programs, and we followed up with these leaders for a number of months following the program and really worked on, okay, not just awakening the individual and their purpose, but helping them to, to make some of these connections and start the gears turning for how it is they can live their purpose and achieve these incredible commercial results. Uh, and, of course, the development plans uh, helped with that as well as the strategic planning. And this gentleman in Indonesia was so deeply connected to uh, his, his strengths, clearly, but also to his country and what it had uh, done for him and, and, and his connection to his countrymen that he uh, announced that not only was he going to make these goals commercially, but he was going to raise a million people out of poverty in Indonesia while he did that. And uh, he then proceeded to do that. He, he shifted the way that manufacturing in the region worked, and he created jobs and new opportunities for a million of his countrymen. And when he went back to the board of directors report on this success, and uh, sign up for his next round of goals. He, he was asked to, to double his impact commercially, and he also asked to be held accountable uh, for the, the metric of doubling the number of people he would take out of poverty in the coming year, uh, which was astounding. And the fact that he saw them and was managing his team and, and working that problem, not just from the perspective of commercial goals, but elevating living his purpose and making the impact through his purpose to the same level is, is one of the transformational components to leaders who really embrace purpose. Well, and, you know, is this helpful? Is this the story you're looking for? Is this the kind of the stories you're, you're, you're interested in? Oh, it's a, I, I mean, yeah, it's a fabulous story. And I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I imagine myself just hearing that story that, okay, if I'm a member of this individual's team in Indonesia and a, at a quarterly meeting or annual strategy meeting, you know, the leader rolls out and me being in the audience as one of the team members, hey, our goal next year is to grow business results or grow revenue by 100%. And if that's the target and then, you know, rah, 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 okay, go. But what I'm hearing is, is, okay, that was part of it. Part A, part B is look around. We live in this community. We we know people. We know that our fellow countrymen, countrywomen are living in uh, a state of living that just isn't what it could be. And so, part of our goal, in addition to the commercial uh, goals that we're going after, is we're gonna we're gonna change this community. We're gonna lift people out of poverty. If I'm a member of that team, and that's the right. message, and it's legit, which clearly it is. To me, that's way more inspirational and exciting a goal to go after than just waking up shooting for a financial target, which I get, right? The financial target needs to be there, but I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that as this story continues to unfold, that the impact to the finances start to become even greater than what they could have planned as a result of you know, the heart, body, and soul 
of the individual team members that are being tapped into as a result of having a, a bigger a reason for getting up out of bed every day and doing what Unilever does in Indonesia. Yeah, I think that, you know, time will tell, but I, I think that that's the hope. And uh, in addition to that, it's, it's what we see reflected back from other leaders in, in similar situations, that the engagement of their team and the innovation that's brought around by living their purpose at the same time that they are delivering commercial results. You know, we hear things from leaders uh, who tell us that, um, uh, they they were after two billion euros, and, and you know in 2012 they achieved it instead of 2013. So you know a year earlier their revenue targets are realized with you know a considerable amount of growth involved in reaching that target because people got creative and they really engaged and doubled down on the impact they're making in, in their work. I mean we see uh, folks telling us you know okay you know, we have more than one uh, participant who comes from the heavily financial background and they're saying okay you know we you know are, are doing an incredible amount of work to move the needle and we're sitting at a one percent kegger and uh, you know how do we shift that embrace authentic leadership for the teams that are in a position to really move the needle on that strategy and report back that they've now moved that kegger to nine to ten percent for two years running and that's the kind of bottom line impact that can be achieved when leaders are allowed to manifest individually and really live their purpose in service to the mission of the company and the goals of the company. And it's really absolutely fabulous. I mean, we, we get a lot of feedback around uh, engagement, um, but I want to make sure I tell you, uh, you know, very high level, a story where um, engagement actually made the difference, sort of a life and death difference in a market for a company. Uh, we were working with uh, one of the big box retailers, and uh, they had two competitors enter their market. And of course, when, when you're entering a new global market as a competitor, one of the key uh, levers for you in success is recruiting top talent from someone who's already established there. And uh, these two competitors could not recruit a single senior leader because the authentic leadership program had truly tied them to their seats, right? Uh, money can't move a person after a certain point. I mean, you, you need make enough to, to be comfortable. And what is it? Uh, Horace says uh, that those who have enough wish for nothing more, something similar to that. Um, and in fact, it's reflected in engagement data that it passed a certain amount. Finance just isn't enough. You know, giving me more money isn't going to get me to jump. Um, and in fact, engagement is driven by the sense of connectedness to mission and, and personal fulfillment while you're living that mission. Um, they leveraged that in, in this particular situation. The big box retailer uh, did not lose a single top executive. They didn't lose any of their senior people. And the other two uh, companies looking to make this market entry, they left. And that's brilliant. Yeah, that is. Absolutely. <laughs> I want to touch on for a moment this, uh, what I perceive to be a potential tug of war in the short-term need for financial results and the long-term path that uh, purpose-driven, purpose-oriented leaders and organizations are traveling because I do think they're two different roads. And I'm just wondering, you know, what your overall thoughts are on how do organizations, how do leaders balance the need for creating long-term sustainability, uh, creating a business that can have impact for a long time versus those that are always under the microscope of delivering short-term 
uh, quarterly results, whatever those whatever those targets may be. How, how do you and the team at the Authentic Leadership Institute, how do you deal with that, what I at least perceive to be a bit of a tug of war? Does it come up? Is it something you even have to deal with? You know, I mean, companies that are in crisis, where they're really focused on sort of make or break quarter to quarter, uh, they, they probably aren't in a place where they have an appetite or, frankly, the readiness uh, for this kind of uh, intervention because it is more about preparing your leaders for the next challenge. And, and frankly, that challenge doesn't always have to be crisis, but we do really well preparing leaders uh, to deal with ambiguity in the, in the VUCA world. Um, a lot of the time, we actually see folks saying, you know, things are going very well, and we're ready to kick it up a notch, and we're not sure what ammunition we have to do that. Can you help us think through how it is we inspire people we believe are already pretty engaged and happy here, uh, just inspire them in a new way? Um, what I can tell you about the quarterly uh, component, because I do want to answer your question, is that purpose, because it's so individual, will always yield some kind of impact or result. The question of whether that impact or result is going to move the needle on a business metric or a KPI in a quarter, we certainly make no make no claims to any of that. We have no idea. But what we what we can say is that understanding your problem space in a new way is part of the benefit of purpose, and it's part of the benefit of authentic expression. Being able to say, "I'm seeing this problem space in a new way," go back to your team and think differently about how it is you're going to address that problem space, that can be extremely valuable, even in the short term. Absolutely. I, I, I want to mm -hmm. transition for a minute um, because there's this whole notion that I think we're all being hit over the head with that the millennial generation and the younger generation of folks are the ones that are really responsible for shining the spotlight on doing meaningful work. And whether that's true or not, um, and let's just assume that it is that that this this these these next few generations that are following uh, or falling into the workforce and beginning to rise in the leadership roles are the ones that are driving towards a more purpose oriented, meaning driven environment. So thank God for it. Um, mm -hmm. Are you seeing a large uh, is there a variety? Is there a diversity in the age ranges of the leaders who you and the folks at the Authentic Leadership Institute have impacted? Are you seeing that this is more uh, folks who have been around the block a few times and are in the middle or later stages of their career? Are you seeing it across the board? What, what's, what's been the experience from an age spectrum? Yeah, our work is really uh, primarily in the senior teams for companies, and then we cascade down from there. So I'm happy to tell you we see it across all spectrums of the age range, and frankly, the geographic and the cultural range as well. Uh, we have not encountered barriers uh, for age, uh, for geography, or for culture at this point. Um, and in fact, part of that is because this is about the individual and how they explore and express is based uniquely on what their stories are and where their stories come from. Somebody with a little less professional uh, experience may have fewer success stories and fewer crucibles to report, but they certainly have their fair share of stories leading them into their, uh, their career and into their professional life. Um, so we actually find that uh, it's successful uh, on both fronts. Um, I can tell you, that when we work with very seasoned leaders and we do wake them up, we hear a lot that they wish they'd encountered it when they were younger. 
um, because there is this recognition that now that you're aware of your purpose, you could have been living it and you could have been making a difference for a very long time. Um, so that is something that, that we do have reflected back to us. But frankly, we've worked across all uh, all leadership levels. And I think actually primarily with a, a very seasoned leaders in the in the upper uh, quadrant of the, of the age range. And we find it to be uh, very successful. The thing I, that I that personally that I love about that is that it, it really is it's it's age agnostic, right? This idea of yeah. wanting to connect to who you are at the core and what your individual purpose is, is whether you're 24 or 64, it doesn't matter. And it's never too late is, mm-hmm. is, is what I'm taking away from that, which I, I think is great. I think that's right. I think also to truly know yourself is a, an incredible gift to give <laughs> yeah. to yourself. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a, a great story that I love about a senior executive guy reports into the CEO of a major global multinational corporation, and we're doing work with the, um, the, the tier, the two tiers down, uh, with a, a group of MDs, and one of these MDs says, you know. Q&A time, I want to know what's the one thing I can do to be you. I want to be you. I want to report into the CEO. I want to have your job. How do I do that? What's the one thing I can do? And it's a bit of a silly question in the sense that there's never one thing you can do. But this executive, uh, the way he responded just stuck with me. I love it. He, he said, you know, look, there is no one thing you can do, but I can tell you this, right? Unless you truly know yourself, I will never know you. And if I don't really know you, you're coming nowhere near the inner circle. And I thought that was just so profoundly excellent. <laughs> because whether that's talking about taking a position to report to the CEO or being my next boss, everybody craves the ability to deeply know and have confidence and a sense of scalability or reliability in the people they work with. And if they don't truly know themselves, uh, that's not possible. Yeah, that's really, really powerful. That's really, really powerful. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I love that one too. Yeah. You know, I, I, and I want to comment, and I, I wanted to share it earlier, but we were just grooving in the conversation. And I saw Paul Pullman speak, uh, I don't know, two, maybe three years ago. And it was at a uh, at a conscious capitalism summit in Austin, Texas. And he, oh, was, yeah. Yeah, he was being interviewed by Walter Robb. Uh, the co-CEO of Whole Foods. And Walter's question, I think it came from Walter, it may have came from an audience member, uh, was something along the lines of, and this was at the time when Unilever decided to to, to stop giving guidance uh, at the quarterly uh, shareholder updates. And the question was uh, around the idea of, you know, why, why did you do that? Are you just trying to pick a fight with Wall Street? Like, what's the deal behind this? You're not going to give guidance anymore. And Paul's response which I just thought was uh, just magical. He said, listen, you know, we're a big company. We have thousands of, of employees in mid-level management roles across you know, basically every country in the world. And I don't know all of these people. I can't know all of these people. And if I, as the CEO, don't create an environment which gives them the permission to make decisions in pursuit of our long-term purpose and focus as an organization, we're we're never going to get to have the level of impact that we could. And so I needed to create the environment in which I empower our leaders to make 
decisions in support of what we're truly here to do, not in support of meeting a short-term financial uh, you know, number that might actually harm us in the long run. And I just... Mm-hmm. I, I was blown away, truly blown away, because I, you know, for a forty, fifty billion dollar company as Unilever is, I can't even fathom what levels of complexity they deal with on a day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year basis to continue growing something that that's big. But wow, to, to to have the leader understand the impact that he's having um, in creating that environment. I thought was truly just sort of a magical answer. And at the same time, pretty damn simplistic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. That's a great story. It, it really was. And it's going to stick with me, stick with me forever. And I think everybody in the audience felt, uh, felt that quite a bit, felt that quite a bit from a, um, you know, uh, so I, uh, yesterday I had, I recorded a podcast yesterday. We haven't released it yet, but, uh, and I shared this during yesterday's podcast with the guests that as I was driving into work yesterday, I was driving in with my wife and she said, you know, I, I was listening to it, to another podcast. Uh, and I didn't take any offense to that. Um, but I, uh, she said, you know, in this podcast, the, uh, the, the host, uh, is always asking the guests, What's the one book you've read, whether business or personal, that has had the biggest impact on your life or the one book you would recommend, again, whether it's for pleasure or for business? And Hmm. this podcast host has clearly been collecting this data or these books from from the guests over the years. And then we'll periodically release uh, a list of, hey, here are the books uh, that my guests said are you know, this is the group of books that have had the biggest impact on their lives. And so mm-hmm. if the audience wants mm-hmm. to check out this list of books because they resonate with the overall theme and, and just message of the podcast, yeah, it's just a good resource. So I asked yesterday of, of the guest I had and her book was To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, I'm, mm. I'm curious, you know, you clearly, uh, I, I'm going to guess are a voracious reader, just consuming book after book after <laughs> right. book. So maybe a bit of an unfair <laughs> question, but is there one that has just stood the test of time for you. That is the book that if you're stuck on the deserted Island, this is the one you're taking with you. Oh, that's interesting. That's a very, very tough question. Yeah, I would imagine. I, you know, obviously the to kill a mockingbird is a, is a, a fiction answer. I think if it was a, it's just a fiction book, uh, I've always been and continue to be pretty enamored with Fahrenheit 451, um, which is a phenomenal story and very deeply tied to what happens if, if you feel conflicted about that. Uh, about purpose and, and embracing your strengths and your, and your presence in society. Right? I, lo- I love that book. That's a fabulous one. That's awesome. Um, I would say, uh, you know, in terms of nonfiction, uh, you know, uh, Bob Schaefer's book on high impact consulting is a go-to, and I really love it. Um, and I actually feel all leaders should read uh, the book <laughs> entirely because it focuses on uh, how to achieve results-driven change and, uh, and the impact that you can have if you really keep in mind that all activities need to be directed toward their impact. Um, so I, I think he's very brilliant. I love that book as well. Excellent. Thank you for that. Uh, gosh, I feel like I just want to rattle off like 80. <laughs> but I'll hold back. Uh, but there, I picked a nonfiction and a fiction one. I hope that's helpful. That's very helpful. I appreciate that very much, very much. So 
I, I want to bring us back to uh, and and wrap up here uh, back to just you know what has been the core of this entire message, which is uh, which is around individuals really thinking about and exploring their own purpose. Um, not everybody who listens to this program is going to be able to participate in the Authentic Leadership Institute program. And which, by the way, for those of you out there that do want to learn more about the Authentic Leadership Institute. Uh, go to authleadership.com. So A-U-T-H leadership.com. You can learn uh, quite a bit about the Authentic Leadership Institute. Again, that's www.authleadership.com. But Amelia, for the folks out there who aren't going to have the opportunity to uh, explore the program, you know, what, what can we leave them with? What can we share with them of how they can begin to think about their own purpose and start really tapping into what makes them authentic and, and how to find their true north? Oh, excellent. That is a fabulous question. Uh, so the, what we would, would say, uh, and of course the, the process itself um, uh, should be more in-depth than, than what I'm about to say, but a nice proxy question, something to get yourself started uh, in, in thinking around purpose is um is is really this if if you left your job tomorrow if you left the position you hold tomorrow and, and another person with, with an equal level of skill uh stepped into your role after you left um what would the people on your team the people you had worked with in that position what would the people who had been around you miss that that, that that's a powerful question yeah yeah, that really it really brings forward what is that uh, sense of mischievous competitiveness, d drivenness, uh, you know, loving, compassionate uh, presentation, whatever is at the core of your purpose. Certainly, a piece of the core of your strengths and your purpose will come from answering that question. That's a great, great question. So, if I just I want to repeat it because it's so good. If, for example somebody were to take over the role, the responsibilities that I have at my organization tomorrow, mm -hmm. what would those that I've had the opportunity to work with and impact over the years that I've been here, what would they miss about me not being in that spot? That's right. That's, That's right. If someone with an equal amount of skill and experience stepped in, uh, what is it that you bring that was truly unique, that gift that only you could bring to that role that's missing when you go? That's okay. really, that's really powerful. That's really powerful. So let, let's, let's wrap here with the, the Institute itself. It, you know, besides people visiting the website and, and discovering more about it on their own pursuit, is there a regular cadence of programs that you want to uh, leave us with that are, are, are worth talking about? And so for those who, who want to dig in deeper, is there, you know, how, how best can, can people explore beyond just the website, I guess is the better way to ask. Oh, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the predominance of our work is done in companies, but we do take the opportunity three or four times a year uh, to uh, to open up the work, and uh, we invite folks to participate in what we call our invitational program. Uh, we traditionally have uh, one in uh, March in Boston, uh, and uh, we're on the West Coast, uh, one in uh, just right at the June-July time frame in the U.K., uh, then another one in uh, the U.S. in the September-October time frame, and then another one in the November-December time frame uh, in the U.K. We actually have one coming up uh, October 11th and 12th in Boston, uh, and the one following that is November 2nd or 3rd. So if there is anybody interested 
in uh, in joining those programs, we would be delighted. Uh, we'd be delighted to chat with them. How many uh, how, how many people will the program uh, you know really support? Like, what's the cap? It's very small. So we uh, we usually like the programs to sit around 24, 25 participants. Okay. Uh, so that the folks we do invite folks to experience this uh, in a in a smaller, more intimate setting, so that they have a sense uh, of, of what it is we do, and also uh, the true power of, of the program. So uh, yeah. So. That's right. The seats go quickly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This has been this uh, obviously because it's so, uh, so so much so involved and intertwined in, in what I'm up to day to day in the team uh, that I'm so lucky to be around. Uh, but to have somebody on on, a, on on another coast who's working with some of the largest uh, multinational organizations on the planet, like the Unilevers of the world. Uh, to really echo um, what we're up to in a very different way, yet similar. It's just, it's awesome. And, you know, your background and the places that you've stopped along your journey, whether it be Cornell, whether it be Harvard Publishing, uh, the Monitor Group, on and on. And the, obviously the people you get to surround yourself with every day with Nick and Bill. I mean, that's just, that's a powerful group of really accomplished people. And, you know, I, I think it just screams that, listen, this purpose stuff is not just squishy, nice rainbow unicorn. This stuff really moves the needle. The proof is yeah. there. The big organizations are recognizing that this is an advantage that uh, they have to tap into because if they don't, and maybe biased as, as, as I am coming from the, the recruitment uh, and, you know, the hiring side that your best teammates, your best employees, if they're not tapped into their soul and what drives them and they can't do their best work every day. And that has some line of sight to how it impacts the organization's true north. They're going to hop. They will jump ship. They'll jump ship for more money and maybe continue to do that until they find firm footing at something that fills them up both from an intellectual standpoint as well as from, you know, heart, body and soul connectivity. And I think it's a long way of saying the work you're doing, I think, is so important. And I thank you for doing it and can't wait to just continue to keep in touch and, and, and explore more stories with you. Oh, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Brian. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wish you the best. And uh, I have a feeling we will be in touch more often. So thanks so much, Amelia. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed hearing our interview with Amelia. If you're interested in a transcribed version of this show or want to listen to more episodes of the Built on Purpose podcast, please visit yscouts.com forward slash podcast. Also, if you'd like to recommend someone as a guest for the show, please drop me a line at brian at yscouts.com. I promise more great interviews are on the way. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.